Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. This episode is brought to you by Scott Alford. He is one of the top online business mentors and advisors, and he also owns dozens of businesses that have collectively generated tens of millions of dollars. And this done in multiple niches, countries across the world, and so forth. In his new Investing with Scott newsletter, he gives you a behind-the-scenes look into acquiring, building, and scaling businesses based on his experience of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs scale all the way up to seven and eight figures. As an entrepreneur, since he was seven, and by the time he was 16, having a million-dollar business, while ending up a million in debt and now by 31 becoming a decamillionaire, he has a massive amount of insights, understandings, knowledge, and wisdom for scaling and building a business. You can now check what he's up to by going into investing.scottalford.com. This episode is brought to you by Basecamp. So Basecamp is a project management and team communication application that has been around for about 18 years, and it's used by thousands of companies today. Basecamp is all about simplicity. It is designed to give you and your team the tools you need to get work done. They have message boards, to-dos, file storage, chat calendar, and much more. Basecamp is built to help you in getting out of your way and let you focus on what matters. Again, you know, like when you're adding a bunch of people, there's a bunch of files that need to be shared. You need to be effective. And that's where Basecamp comes in. They actually are from the guys that brought to you 37 signals. And really, they help in making decisions simple and also effective. So go to Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you the all, all really the features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com forward slash dealmakers and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel at any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Alrighty, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder, you know, a founder that is going to walk us, you know, through the journey, you know, through the incredible journey and, and through what he's building, financing, scaling, I mean, you name it. And uh, I think we're going to really find this story very inspiring. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, BJ Kedar. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alejandro. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So originally born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? You know, Pittsburgh is an amazing place to grow up. So I, I was born and raised there. My parents originally emigrated from South India from a town called Chennai. And I come from a big family of physicians. So my, my father was a cardiologist and uh, after doing his residency in Chicago, moved to Pittsburgh to start uh, to start a, a practice there. You know, I've always found Pittsburgh to be a, the perfect balance between uh, a big city and a small town. It has you know, everything you'd want, great restaurants, great sports teams, fun neighborhoods, but always has that small town pride. And uh, it's, a, it's certainly a city that, that bleeds black and gold when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, overall, uh, a, a great, a great place to grow up. How do you think that, uh, obviously, you know, your parents coming from India where education is so important, where you need to be a doctor or you need to be, you know, an engineer, you know, like 
education is everything. How do you think that that has also influenced your path? Because, you know, certainly you went to the best schools. I appreciate that. And I think there's there's no question uh, my parents and, and my family's focus on education early on has uh, certainly had a tremendous impact on on my life. And uh, my my father is a is a, a doctor, and my mother actually is a computer engineer. So we have all the bases covered. And you know, growing up more than anything, uh, they just pushed my brother and I uh, to be uh, deeply, deeply intellectually curious, and to just have a passion and a love for learning, whatever whatever the subject was, whether it was history or literature or science. And I think more than anything, when I think about some of the foundations to entrepreneurship, it's, it's really that. It's a thirst for knowledge. It's a deep intellectual curiosity to understand uh, a space, uh, customers, a, a new vertical. And so that, that certainly was a big part of, of my foundation. And you know, more broadly, uh, growing up, they were always encouraging uh, more than anything of us finding that which we were most passionate about. And, and early on for me, it was the medical field, and I was certainly on that path to become a clinician. But over time, realized that while I loved that direct impact that med- medicine could have, you know, I wondered if there were were better ways to scale that impact. At the end of the day, my father, as a clinician, could only impact as many patients as he had hours in a day, uh, and so I began to shift my focus to to, to other ways to address that. Uh, but certainly that focus on on education and that thirst for learning uh, has remained since then. So then tell us about, you know, going, you know, because obviously you did a little of, you know, when it comes to the um, to the studies, you know, I mean, you did HBS, you know, you also did University of Ghana. What was that? You know, that, that was uh, my, my junior year of college. I had been fortunate, you know, growing up to do quite a lot of traveling with my family. My, my grandfather, uh, who was also a, a clinician, practiced until his, his mid-80s, uh, when he retired, had this vision of stepping on all seven continents with all of his grandkids. And so since I was very young, you know, we were taking trips uh, around the world from Asia to uh, Latin America and, and beyond. It, it instilled in me just a, an absolute love of um, experiencing new cultures, uh, learning new languages, new cuisines, uh, new ways of thinking. And, and so when I was in college, I, I wanted to take that opportunity to study elsewhere and to study in a place that I felt was, you know, fundamentally different from, from where I had grown up and had the opportunity to study at the University of Ghana, um, just outside of the capital city of Accra. And it was an incredible experience. Uh, for me, it was everything from studying international politics, uh, working at an NGO in a town called Ababloshi, which was uh, Ghana's largest slum, and, uh, and then taking uh, motorcycle trips around the country uh, to, to explore new areas and uh, made some amazing friends there, uh, certainly opened my eyes to really the, the richness of, of cultures throughout West Africa. And uh, overall, was was a tremendous amount of fun. And I mean, obviously, there you have an edge because you know your parents from India. You know, you've traveled around the world. You've experienced different cultures. You were raised here in the U.S. What kind of advantage do you think that gives you when it comes to tackling problems? Well, I think 
it's incumbent upon all of us in many ways to expand our worldviews and our purviews as much as we can, right? At the end of the day, it just enables us to understand problems, to understand uh, markets, to understand people uh, in just uh, so much of a more diverse way. And, you know, I think whether it is traveling to a new country or having a new experience, more than anything, it just it broadens your your worldview. It broadens your scope of thinking and takes you out of what can otherwise be a naturally narrow and, and myopic way of thinking. And, you know, I think when it comes to starting a business and, and really attacking a problem, at the end of the day, you're trying to change the status quo. You're trying to change uh, an ecosystem or a market that has been operating a certain way for a very long time. And the only way to do that is with fresh perspectives and, and always uh, by recognizing that there is always a different approach that can be taken. And so uh, when you approach a problem or along the way, as you start to hit roadblocks along the way, uh, to recognize that uh, there's a wider vantage point that can be taken. And and certainly building that resilience in many ways to to, to do that. I, you know, I, I will say, just on the note of my upbringing, I mean, there's no question growing up uh, in an immigrant household in many ways, that that immigrant hustle was uh, was born into to my brother and I very early on. Uh, my father had come to this country really without any relatives, uh, with not very much money, and was 19 years old. Had graduated medical school, was coming to build a life, and you know I think there was just so many principles that that he learned through that process of certainly never taking anything for granted, uh, the critical importance of of hard work and focus and dedication that have really become pillars of, of how my brother and I have, have always operated and certainly uh, have been a big part of, of my journey uh, throughout my career and, and starting for our health. Now, obviously, now you are on the, on the founder side of the table, but you've also been on the investor side of the table. I mean, after your studies, you, you went to Goldman Sachs and you were doing private equity there for a few years. So what did you learn there about pattern recognition, perhaps about companies that, you know, were working better than others? And what were some of those traits that they, you know, trigger that or, or, or make that happen? You know, I l learned a tremendous amount uh, during my years as an investor. And, uh, you know, I think what, one of the benefits of that vantage point is really, uh, back to some of my earlier comments, just the, the, the breadth of purview that you get, right? Seeing one, the opportunity to work across a number of different industries, but but seeing uh, from a bird's eye view, you know, different business models uh, across verticals and how they are resilient or not towards market changes and and, and dynamics. And you know, I think with the the, the lens of, of private equity, was fortunate to have the opportunity to work uh, closely with a number of really fantastic management teams to understand how they translated strategy to execution, how they tackled uh, market opportunities and really brought them to life. And in many ways, while uh, I certainly had the, the, the analytical perspective of an investor at that point, it also kindled uh, my passion and my interest to get closer to operations, to get closer to building. The other thing that happened during my years uh, at Goldman was some fundamental shifts in the healthcare market. While I was there, Obama had just been reelected. It was the tying of the bow that Obamacare was going to be taking effect. 
And I was staffed on a, on a pretty small cross-functional team across the firm uh, to really, uh, one, understand the tenets of the legislation, chronicle how it was going to impact different subsectors in healthcare, and then, you know, what were the opportunities for us uh, to effectively position ourselves from an investment standpoint. And so during that time, you know, sat down and read the law end to end, and it was just incredibly eye-opening as to the breadth of change that was going to be taking place in every subsector within healthcare. And you know, taking an, an innovator's lens to it, you could think of you know, multiple companies to be created with every chapter of, of that law. And so it really sparked my interest in, in getting a deeper understanding of the companies and the founders that were out there really trying to drive that change and to bring that innovation to life. Now, in your case, I mean, you went from Goldman Sachs to Oscar Health. Obviously, you know, like in, in Goldman Sachs there, I mean, you were quite busy. You evaluated about a billion across, you know, what you were saying, healthcare, technology, energy. Uh, definitely healthcare seemed to be the, um, the segment that really caught your attention to really go into the operation on the, on the, on the op- kind of like operations and, and, and business side of things. So how was that? change? How did that change come about to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go more on the operator uh, type of uh, approach here? You know, I, well, I, well, I loved the analytical perspective of investor, found it incredibly intellectually stimulating, certainly learned a tremendous amount. What was increasingly exciting to me was, uh, was, was really how operators and executives were building and scaling their businesses. And, and, and that's where I felt I had uh, the greatest opportunity to learn was was working with many of the management teams we supported towards doing that. Um, and in particular, having seen just the precipice of change in the healthcare ecosystem, I was just really eager to 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 be a part of that change, to be a part of the action. and uh, And so, as part of that, was pretty deliberate in building a a, a list of of companies that I thought were doing. Just incredibly innovative things in the space. Talking to uh, friends in the industry, talking to uh, other investors, bankers, etc., uh, and really developing a perspective on on those businesses that I thought I thought were were best points to drive real change in healthcare. And networked my way into a bunch of different founders and cold emailed uh, a, a number of of folks and just had a really fascinating breath of conversations on. On uh, you know how different founders were approaching the space, and um, you know looking back on this uh, o- over a decade later, it's really fascinating because you know many of these folks have since built amazing businesses and have become good friends. You know Sean Duffy at Omada uh, was one of the folks I reached out to when Omada was a ten-person company. I know he's been here on the on the podcast as well. Uh, Zach uh, and Nat from Flatiron Health, who are now. Uh, angel investors and, and partners of ours were were just getting things going, uh, and so it was incredible to see kind of how that health tech ecosystem was really getting off the ground and how it's flourished since then. Um, but it was also during that process I got connected to uh, Josh Kushner and Mario Slosser at, at Oscar, and from my earliest conversations, I was just blown away by the scale uh, of the vision that they had outlined. And really believed in the opportunity for a technology forward, much more consumer focused insurer 
to play a much larger role in the ecosystem than health insurers had previously played um, in much more effectively constructing uh, optimized networks for care and from engaging and guiding uh, members through their healthcare journeys. And so as soon as I got connected with them, was was really excited about the opportunity to build and uh, was able to join that team in the first few dozen folks. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, in life, you know, there's not a user manual. You don't know what works for you, what's normal, uh, when you're feeling stuck, navigating some of the changes that you may be experiencing, like maybe you're looking at giving your notice and becoming an entrepreneur, whatever that is, you know, having a therapist, you know, can really be helpful. And they're trained to help you in figuring out what's causing those challenging emotions and also, you, you get to learn, you know, with coping skills. I mean, in my case, for example, wherever I felt stuck or wherever I needed someone to coach me through it, I literally, you know, like had someone there, you know, helping me and learning with coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, whatever that was. So as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime, and it couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dealmakers. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dealmakers. This episode is brought to you by Partner Hero, which provides customer service outsourcing that's built for the needs of scaling and high-growth startups. They offer flexible terms, fast onboarding, and the ability to scale teams quickly. Perfect for fast-growing businesses. I mean, let's face it, you know, you're all startups. You know, it's time for you to really stop trying to do absolutely everything. You need to get yourself out of the supporting box so you can actually focus on growing your business. So again, Partner Hero is flexible. They have quality assurance. They have offices around the world to really provide that help and support that you need. And if you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, then check out Partner Hero. Head over to partnerhero.com forward slash dealmakers to book a free consultation with their solutions team and mention that you heard about Partner Hero from Dealmakers and they'll waive the setup fee. So then tell us, because obviously Oscar Health was a pivotal moment for you. You know, now you're on the operator side, you're able to really see what's going on. So I guess, you know, question is, at what point in the mix does the idea of maybe venturing on your own and, and starting, you know, Tomorrow Health, at what point does that idea come knocking and at what point do you realize, hey, I think I'm ready. I'm ready for this and, and I'm ready to go at it on my own. You know, I, I had always had a bit of an entrepreneurial bug when I was in college. had worked to start a few ventures with, with friends in, in different areas. But to me, it was, it was really always about identifying a problem which I really, really uh, cared about enough to, to, to focus really all of my attention and my energy on on solving. And, you know, the time at Oscar was certainly pivotal in a number of different ways. You know, one was really kind of learning the brass tacks of uh, what it took to drive change uh, in the healthcare ecosystem, right? And 
uh, it was one thing uh, for us to look at at those kind of high level overarching trends and macro dynamics uh, around the investment committee table uh, as an investor. Uh, and I found that it was very different to actually be on the ground, right? I mean, we could wax and wane all we wanted about, you know, value-based care and, and, and how its advent in healthcare was going to uh, drive uh, certain macro trends. It was very different when I found myself, you know, boots on the ground, uh, negotiating with a, a large, uh, you know, hospital system uh, CFO uh, to try to get them to accept a value-based arrangement and to take uh, downside risk on their contracts. And, you know, just getting into the weeds of the healthcare ecosystem really opened my eyes to what was actually needed to to drive change. And certainly, just a tremendous amount of learnings there, uh, both from uh, things we did right, as, as well as from mistakes that I made along the way uh, that that uh, I've certainly learned from. And those are always the ones that are, you know, seared into your into your memory and kind of help to inform, uh, you know, how you can, how you can approach a problem different in the future. Uh, so, so getting those operational wraps and, and really digging deeper into what it took to drive change in the industry, um, was a huge piece of it. Um, really understanding the confluence of the regulatory, uh, strategic, uh, and financial dynamics at play between insurers, um, hospital systems, providers, uh, and 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 patience, um, and and then you know unexpectedly in in many ways, uh, it was during that time that I, I really became exposed to many of the problems in home based healthcare, and that was due to a more personal note. About a week after I started at Oscar, my mother was unfortunately diagnosed with stage three rectal cancer, and uh, fortunately is doing well now and in remission, uh, but had a a really tough journey through it. Uh, ended up spending a couple of months inpatient in the ICU, battling lung disease stemming from her chemotherapy, and uh, three months uh, on a ventilator. Uh, and stemming from that, needed a year of very intensive home-based healthcare, everything from 14 liters of oxygen to ostomy and wound care supplies and mobility and respiratory equipment. And you know, candidly we just could not have imagined how challenging it would be to manage that as a as a patient or a family member despite being in healthcare myself despite coming from a family of doctors you know all in it took us about 6 weeks to get everything that she needed and we ended up having to readmit her back to the hospital twice in in that first month uh which was just incredibly eye opening incredibly uh, demoralizing to my mother after working so hard to leave the hospital, incredibly disruptive to her care. And that was a problem, having experienced that so personally, that just really sat with me. And from there, when I, when I went back to my role at Oscar, I saw the same challenges, but from the health plan's vantage point, as, you know, as we were certainly a health insurer at Oscar, that every market that i launched we had to contract with you know hundreds or thousands of different home based care providers to 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 get to adequacy to serve our our members driving our care management efforts i'd find myself you know borrowing the phone from a nurse case manager and literally you know negotiating with some of these uh, home based care companies to get our patients an oxygen tank or an orthotic brace so we could discharge them out of the hospital and it just became so clear that from every vantage point all of us believed in the shift of healthcare to the home 
But the technology and operations infrastructure to enable home-based care reliably and at scale was simply lacking. And that's ultimately what inspired me to ultimately uh, make the transition uh, to starting Tomorrow Health. So then tell us about the, for the people that are listening, you know, what were the next steps? You know, you were like, okay, let's go. You know what, I, I, uh, I formally left Oscar, spent the first year really just doing deep market research to really, really understand the problem and understand what was broken in the ecosystem. And, you know, as part of that process, spoke directly with thousands of, of patients and families on the experiences that they've had, sat with dozens of hospital discharge managers clicking through their electronic uh, medical records to order home medical equipment and supplies for, for their patients, spoke with medical equipment companies, distributors, health insurers, regulators, uh, to really understand uh, the different sides of, of the ecosystem. And, and honestly, the, the deeper I dug, it was clear that the problem was even bigger than, than I had experienced, either personally with my mother or, or from the health plan's vantage point at Oscar, that it was something that really touched and impacted the care of hundreds of millions of Americans and uh, was, was levying an experience and a status quo that was just really so challenged and so broken. Uh, but the solution was also a complex one. Um, you know, I recognized that uh, this was an ecosystem that wasn't working for anyone involved uh, and that what was needed was really a rewiring of the processes, the workflows, in many cases, the incentives uh, within this ecosystem in order to deliver much more streamlined, much more efficient, and ultimately higher quality healthcare to patients. And so from there, uh, began to really identify what that solution could look like and what that early product could look like. And as part of that, uh, began to build our early team uh, and then ultimately raised our, our first round of funding uh, to get things off the ground. And and before going and, and, and digging into the funding, I mean, for the people that are listening to get it, what ended up being the business model of Tomorrow Health? How do you guys make money? Uh, you know, I mentioned that, that this is an ecosystem in home-based healthcare that's not really working for, for anyone. And specifically, that's, you know, for health insurers, for physicians and hospitals, for home-based care suppliers, and then most notably, for patients. Um, and so what we do uh, towards our vision of, of helping to restore the home as a patient's primary place of care is uh, we serve as a technology platform to really coordinate uh, and manage the breadth of, of home-based healthcare needs that patients have. And so we partner with health plans and provider organizations, so physicians and hospitals, uh, to coordinate the health care that their members receive. We streamline the way that home-based care is ordered, uh, delivered, and, and ultimately paid for. And by really providing technology to streamline each part of that and each workflow that with it, that's within that, uh, we drive a lot greater efficiency. We also realign incentives uh, towards better quality and better efficiency, which is something that, that doesn't really exist in the status quo uh, of, of the market. And so we are ultimately compensated by the health plans, the providers that we work with to coordinate care for their members. And uh, we 
the, the outcomes that we drive are ultimately around the quality and efficiency of that care. So 97% on-time starts of care uh, for patients who need care at home, and that's relative to what is a, a, a network average of between 50 to 60%. Uh, an over 95 NPS score across the breadth of patients we've served, really transforming that experience, which is uh, unfortunately uh, ranges between uh, 10 and negative 10 in, in this side of the industry. And then ultimately just driving much greater efficiency and value to each of the stakeholders involved. So uh, so that's that's ultimately our model at Tomorrow Health. And by leveraging that end-to-end technology platform, we're ultimately able to provide patients with the home-based care that they need faster, more reliably, and more affordably. In this case, I mean, you were alluding to fundraising. How much capital have you guys raised to date? We've raised a little under $100 million, uh, all in uh, through our, our recent Series B round. So obviously, a company like this is, is capital intensive. I mean, you were alluding to that you guys had to raise some money to get going. So what has been the journey or the experience and also the expectations from going from one financing cycle to the next? First, for our overarching business, because it is you know, ultimately a, a technology-forward model, the core model uh, scales in a, in a fairly capital-light way. Uh, as we've thought about financing, uh, it's really been about you know, what's the combination of the capital and, and critically for us, the partners that can help us accelerate our, our journey and uh, can enable us to invest ahead in the right team and resources, whether that's on uh, product and engineering, whether that's on business development and growth, whether it's on core operations, uh, to really help us continue to bring this platform to life and, and, and deliver you know, incredibly strong value to our core customers. You know, our, our first round of funding was seven and a half million uh, that was led by the team at Andreessen Horowitz and supported by Box Group Sound Ventures and then a range of healthcare and tech angels, uh, uh, CEOs and founders from uh, PayPal, DoorDash, uh, Oscar Health, Flatiron Health, Quartet, Pillpack, and, and others, all of which have been incredibly helpful in our journey. But it, you know, at the outset, uh, the initial uh, capital was uh, to really get things off the ground and 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 to to prove out our holistic vision. Um, you know, one of the things that is a bit different in healthcare is if you're serving enterprise customers, uh, you got to get it right uh, out of the gate, right? Uh, you don't quite have that capability to, um, to, 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 to test and iterate when, you know, ultimately there's patient care on the line and you're working with, uh, you know, really meaningful at scale uh, uh, healthcare organizations. And so, um, for us, it was really about ensuring that uh, the platform that we had, the product that we were delivering, and ultimately uh, the outcomes that we could drive uh, from a service quality standpoint uh, were going to be incredibly strong uh, for our early enterprise customers, right? And so that was really the, if, if I was to describe the most important uh, milestone, it was uh, to really have a set of, of, of very happy uh, enterprise customers and, and, and demonstrate that model. Um, you know, our, our Series A was raised uh, in late, late 2020, and uh, that was $25 million, uh, led 
well, also by Andreessen Horowitz and supported by Obvious Ventures and uh, uh, a handful of other folks. And, you know, that was really about, in many cases, kind of broadening the scope of our model. Um, you know, early on, we saw the capability uh, to uh, operate in a defined way to ultimately take accountability for the medical equipment and supplies that patients uh, were receiving and, and kind of building that core infrastructure. Uh, as we scaled up, it was really about broadening the model to that expansive platform vision that I described. So, so Series A was really about platformizing the overarching model. Uh, and then our Series B, which is uh, 60 million uh, led by Bond Capital and Dries Horowitz Growth, uh, Sound Ventures, uh, Obvious Ventures, and a, a, a range of others, uh, was really uh, about, about taking that model to scale. Uh, new partnerships, uh, new markets, and doubling down on uh, our core technology platform to really bring our vision of, of more effective and more efficient home-based healthcare to more of the country. So talking about vision there, let's double click on that. Imagine you go to bed tonight and you wake up in a world, you know, a few years later where the vision of tomorrow health is fully realized. What does that world look like? You know, ultimately, we think about it as a world in which patients turn to tomorrow health uh, for the full breadth of their health care needs at home. And so today, in the same way that uh, you know, we walk outside of our homes and we need to get from point A to point B and we pull out the Uber app and it's given us all these modes of trans, uh, transportation that we know we can trust uh, to, to reliably and transparently get us from point A to point B the same way that we, you know, uh, any uh, time we want anything ordered to our doorsteps, pull out our Amazon app and you know, push a couple of buttons and, and know with visibility that products are going to arrive on our doorstep with defined prices with a high level of quality. We want uh, folks to turn to Tomorrow Health when they think about healthcare at home. And that can be uh, whether they or family members are recovering from uh, acute health episodes, coming out of surgery, managing diseases like COVID and others, uh, or managing ongoing chronic conditions like diabetes or cancer or cardiovascular disease and coordinating the breadth of the equipment, supplies, and services that they need. And ultimately, that vision is, is that a patient like my mother, with the wide breadth of, of home-based care needs that she has, the 14 liters of oxygen, you know, the ostomy and wound care supplies, the respiratory therapist coming to her home to adjust her ventilator settings, the pulse oximetry remote monitoring device measuring her oxygen saturation levels does not have to work with a dozen different vendors and, and home-based care companies as we did, but can work with one seamless platform in Tomorrow Health that is coordinating the breadth of, of home-based healthcare needs that she has reliably with efficiency. Uh, and critically, that it's all embedded within her insurance benefits uh, to be reimbursed, affordable, and to keep her healthy and safe at home. So now, BJ, you've been for about five years, you know, with Tomorrow Health, you know, pushing things. You know, if you had, obviously, a ton of lessons learned, you know, along the way. So if you had the opportunity of going back in time and, and having a chat with your younger self, you know, maybe that, uh, BJ, that is still at Goldman Sachs and, you know, looking at those companies doing great things in healthcare and, you know, the other industries that you were involved in. And if you were able to have a sit down, 
right now with that younger VJ and and giving that younger VJ one piece of advice before launching a business, what would that be and why, given what you know now? You know, I, I think it would be one to to have the conviction and the resilience that you know, whatever the problems that came our way to just really, really remain laser focused on that end state vision uh, and to recognize when it makes sense to keep, you know, barreling against that wall to try to break it down. And when it makes sense to start thinking about, you know, how you climb that wall or how you scale under it. Uh, Because, you know, in every journey along the way of of building uh, a a business, you know, there, there, there are always roadblocks. There are always punches in the face, as, as we like to say. There's always unexpected things. Um, and so much of uh, what makes, in my opinion, a, a business, an organization, a culture, uh, one that can deliver true impact at scale is that grit, is that resilience uh, to constantly work through those obstacles, to constantly uh, be iterating the approach and the focus um, to always get to, to to that end state. There is always a path forward, uh, and ultimately, iterating on the approach to identify you know what it is that makes the most sense, what it is that will get you to the other side. Uh, in my opinion, is is what uh, separates great companies from from good ones, and is an important. Uh, lesson uh, and tenet, certainly for me and, and us to think about consistently. I love it, BJ. So uh, for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Yeah, they can uh, reach out uh, to me directly. My email is vijay at tomorrowhealth.com. Uh, I'm also uh, on Twitter at, at VJKEDAR and love to, love to hear from folks. So um, uh, I would encourage them to get in touch. Amazing. Well, Vijay, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show. It has been an honor to have you with us. Really enjoyed it, Alejandro. Thanks for having me on. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts, or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.